Well, let's go ahead and dive into Acts chapter 5 today. We're starting with verse 1, and we're going to be reading in this opening passage to verse 16. For those of us who are joining in or listening in today, understand that we've been journeying through this timeline since the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. And at some point through that, that journey and that timeline, we just, we being me, just kind of got stuck. And we're now just kind of line upon line going through Acts right now. I don't really have a, a conviction whether we're doing it through the whole book or not at this point, but we're still on it today. And We'll see where there will be a breaking point at some point in the future. And there's a funny story there for some of us who, when we read this, and it's, a, it's, it's an interesting, you know, one of the more interesting passages to try to read and minister on on a Sunday morning. But um, it reminds me, though, of a devotional time that we once had in Shanghai. It was years ago, and we... And, our team there, we'd have morning devotions because we had a, running a school, and so all the teachers and the admin staff and the different people would come in. And one day, we're about two, three months into a new school year and some new team members, and they're obviously getting to know me, and they're getting to know us. And at this point, I was just doing devotions one time a week for the team, and I got up and opened up the Bible, forget where we were, but opened up my devotional, and came out and started reading a devotional and by the end of the devotional one of these our team members was so mad I mean fuming mad and I got word I went back to my office this was kind of starting to work and somebody came in so and so wants to see you I'm like okay about what well you just targeted him in devotional you just you just tar- he'd say that you just targeted him and you just talked about him in devotion. I said, oh, okay. Well, I, I kind of calmed down at that point, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Because here I walked into the, the meeting, and, you know, he's sitting over there, and he, his, him and his wife and had all his children in the school but not in that meeting. And they're over there, and they're just <laughs> arms folded, got the whole look and everything. And, and he looks at me and said, hey, you know, William, you know, what's, what's the matter? What's, what's going on? And um, he's like, well, you just, you just said this, this, and this, and this, and you read this, and you targeted me during devotional. You were talking about me. I said, okay. I said, is there anything else? Is there anything else that you need to share? I said, is that it? Is that the only thing that you're upset about right now is that you feel I just intentionally pulled you out and targeted you in devotion? He's like, he's like yeah, and it, it was uncalled for, and he's like, we're putting in our resignation. I'm like, don't even get me started on how much it cost me to get him and his family to China. Four kids, you know, husband, wife, China, two-year commitment. It was unreasonable what we had to do. And I looked at him. I said, okay, William. I said, well, calm down for a minute. I said, what do you feel like I said? What did I do that targeted you? He said, well, well first off, you read this passage and you started saying that. I said, okay, William. I said, if you go back and look at the devotionals for the last two or three weeks that I've been doing, I said, I've been reading succinctly, line upon line, in this book of the Bible for the last weeks. I said, this passage that I read today, because obviously there was something else that happened that I was unaware of. I said, this 
passage that I read today, I said it was the next passage in line from what we've been teaching and reading for weeks. I said, I just opened up my Bible today and just read the next passage. And he looked at me, kind of dumbfounded, rightfully so. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and I said, so it had nothing to do with you. I said, I don't know what's going on. I said, I, I've not been told anything. Or I don't know anything. I said, but whatever's happening, the Lord is dealing with it in your life today. And the Lord took those, those passages today, and he had such a conviction on him from the Lord that the only explanation that he could sort of comprehend at that point was that I had gotten some inside information, and I was now using that inside information to, to beat him and to make him suffer, and, um, which was not the case. So, so all that to say, as we, as we start into today's message in Acts chapter 5, if you're here today and you wonder, man, this is a really strange passage, you're here listening or listening or here because, you know, this was the next thing the Lord was going to minister, so not sorry in advance. <laughs> but understand, if it hits, understand, it, it needs to hit. Amen. It needs to hit. The Word of God is supposed to do something in our lives. Acts chapter 5, starting with verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. Verse 4. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Have you not, you have not lied to men, but to God? Then Ananias, hearing these things, these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me, whether you sold the land for this much. And she said, yes, for so much. And then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. Verse 10. Then immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her dead. And carrying, came in, found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. Verse 11. So great fear came upon all the church, and upon all, upon all who heard these things. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were being done 
the peep through the people among the people and there there they were in one accord in Solomon's porch yet none of the rest dared join them but the people esteemed them highly and believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. And somebody say amen. amen. Lord, we thank you for this word today, Lord. Lord, we thank you just for the sober reality of the Word of God. And Lord, we just ask you by your Spirit, Lord, just speak to us. Let us have ears to hear and hearts to perceive, Lord. And Jesus, we just ask that you would be glorified in this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, of course, this is one of those terrifying stories in the early church in the New Testament, a story that, that really, it looks like things are going at this point where we ended last week, talking about the boldness that comes from being filled with the name of Jesus and talking about the people of God in this church, in the early church, being of one Accord, being of one soul and one spirit, and then learning how to use the name of Jesus. And last week, verses 36 and 37 actually ended on a really high note where this Hosus, last week I said Joseph, depending on who you ask, but I think it's Hosus, came and he sold a piece of property and brought it to the apostles and and laid it at their feet to be distributed as they saw fit. And the very next verse here in chapter 5 is this mysterious couple, Ananias and Sapphira, coming into the house of God, perceivingly doing the same thing as Hosus just did. You know, maybe they were spurred on to continue this, this streak of generosity that was happening in the church what we don't know yet some things that we just sort of conclude immediately is that Ananias and Sapphira were believers and that they were Christians we can there's some room for contextually since they were with the believers and since they were numbering themselves with the apostles and with that early group of people that there was obviously the seed of the gospel had been planted in their hearts. But the first thing that Peter says as Ananias comes in to bring this perceived, this, this on the surface level, this Christian man coming into the house of God with a bag of money. Not something that most preachers would say anything negative about. <laughs> there, I just picked on us a little bit. But the first thing Peter says is instead of saying, thank you, that's awesome, 
put it right over there. He says, why has Satan filled your heart? Why has Satan so filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? And so immediately with, with this why that Peter asked, it, it gives us a, just a little glimpse into Ananias's choice in the matter. Why have you allowed Satan to fill your heart? There was, this, there was this idea that Ananias did have the ability to keep Satan from filling his heart, maybe pushing us one way or the other on our Christians. And of course, this passage, you know, Ken, I'll throw it out there, but we're not going to address the topic in full today. But can Christians be possessed? Can are Christians, are they able to be oppressed by Satan? Or can, they, can Christians be possessed by Satan? One of those really big theological questions that we love to dive into in some of our Bible study time. This case is leading to Ananias and later on Sapphira being part of the number, having the question asked why, therefore giving us some indication that he could have resisted that temptation of Satan to fill his heart. And so we got to understand, we got to go back in Leviticus chapter 10 for a moment because we have to understand the history, the history, just a little piece of the history of offering strange fire at the altar. Because if you, if you start to get a bigger picture and you start to remove just this isolated event in the New Testament, which is just weeks beyond, maybe months, barely months beyond the launching of the New Testament church, when we go back and we look at Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, we can see some history being established as to what happens when people offer strange offerings on the altar of the Lord. And this was back, not in the establishment of the New Testament church, but this was in the establishment of the Old Testament set of regulations and eventually the law that was going to be written out for the nation of Israel to follow for, for centuries. But it says in verse 1 of Leviticus chapter 10, it says, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it. And they put incense on it, and they offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them to do. In verse 2, we begin to see the, the consequences of strange fire from this, this standard setting occurrence, where it says, So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. You can just say that to yourself. He must be regarded as holy. 
This was being established early on. This was the whole presence of the, why the, the law in the old covenant, pre-Christ, pre-being filled with the Holy Spirit, hearts being exchanged from stony to fleshly hearts. It's because we as a people did not have the ability within us to live a life that regarded God as holy. And he says, I must be regarded as holy And before all the people, I must be glorified. Before all the people, I must be glorified. And so Aaron held his peace. Aaron, being the high priest, wasn't able to say anything to God about his son's unfortunate and tragic death. Because they came before the altar of the Lord without at the wrong time, having not been told to do so, and having offered strange fire, they died before the Lord. So all that to begin to say as we look at this, this book in Acts, and we like to throw this Acts immediately into New Testament context, which obviously it is, but there is a history of what happens to people when we as a people do not regard God as holy and when we go and bring dishonor rather than glory to his name publicly attempting to lie to God for Ananias and his wife following was an obvious futile endeavor one that an individual certainly cannot expect to succeed in but this man did not he did not understand God's power he did not understand God's sovereignty he did not understand that he wasn't bringing this to men and that his commitment was not to men but his commitment was to his heavenly father and it's a futile endeavor to try to think that we can lie and cheat and steal and hide it from the eyes of the Lord. You see, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, teaches us as this one that we all know. It's one of these ones that we, we quote just like randomly different reasons from time to time. But it says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. <laughs> I love that. It says all kinds of evil, not just one kind of evil but man when you dig into just people's poor decision making ability sometimes man that that little crumb trail will oftentimes lead right back to the love of money for which some we're still in first timothy 6 10 for which some have strayed from the faith In their greediness, so if you're building a a doctrine on the ability of man to backslide or not backslide, and, and, you know, once saved, always say, well, for which some have strayed from the faith. So they were in the faith, and then they strayed from the faith. Why? In their greediness. And pierced themselves through many 
sorrows. So we're seeing that here with Ananias in his lie, not to man, but lie to God. This property that's in question in Acts chapter 5, we learn a lot about giving here, surprisingly, in this passage. Because Peter then proceeds to tell him about this property. He says, wasn't the property yours? It was yours. When you sold it, the proceeds were yours. There was no obligation among Peter and the apostles, A, requiring the sale of this property, and B, requiring what that family did with the proceeds once they did sell it. According to the words of Peter, it was yours prior and the proceeds were yours afterwards. Until, when did it all change? When did it go from being his that he can do whatever he wants with to becoming a lie that ultimately blasphemed the Lord and he would lose his life over? It all changed when he then took what was his and he made a commitment and a vow to bring it unto the Lord. And he obviously did this publicly. Him and his wife had obviously conspired. It wasn't, if you're getting a little, you know, your seat's getting a little hot over there, just relax a little bit because, I mean, there is, this was not something that just like, he just like, hey, Sapphira, let's like go and give this, and we're just going to give this much of it. And they kind of just happened into the church and boom, here's our offering for today. No, it was him and his wife sitting back and conspiring. Okay, here's what we sold it for. We're going to really look. It's, we're going to be like on par with hostess now. I don't know what their motive was. It doesn't tell us what their motive was. We can, we can dive into some speculation. But maybe they were trying to keep up, not with the Joneses. They were trying to keep up with the hostesses. <laughs> it's kind of close. They were trying to keep up. Maybe, that was, maybe it was the recognition Maybe it was they wanted, maybe it was bringing and they wanted the power. Kind of like Simon, when Simon the sorcerer offered, he offered the money for the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, may you perish with your money. It's the root of all kinds of evil. Perish with your money. You ain't getting the gift and follow the breadcrumbs. Maybe it was for power. Maybe Maybe they sold it and they just couldn't part with it. They wanted the benefit of the whole, but they couldn't part with it. So Ananias and Sapphira, they conspired not against man, but they conspired against God. It was intentional. It was thought out. It was even planned to the point to where three hours later when, when, you know, she comes into the service thinking that husband's going to be sitting on the front row because he just brought a really good offering, he wasn't on the front row. Instead, she was able to confirm the lie that both her and her husband had conspired against the Lord. There was in no way any obligation for either 
Ananias and Sapphira, our hostess for that matter, to give any of it at the apostles' feet to the church until the commitment in the vow was made to do so. And at that point, they were obligated to do what they said they would do and for their yes to be yes and for their no to be no. People of God, I just want to tell you how important it is to become a people of integrity with your yeses being yeses and your noes being noes. You have to, we have to be a people that can be depended upon to not flip-flop or to not change that which we spoke. So Satan filled their heart. To understand that, that concept of Satan filling their heart, we got to go back to Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. In looking at the concept of the, the, the little truth principle of Satan being a seed snatcher. Satan being a seed snatcher. And in Matthew 13, 18, 18 through 23 says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word, this is the actual the interpretation of the parable of the sower. When anybody hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away which was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who receives seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but he endures only for a while. And for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. In verse 23, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands the word and begins to bear fruit and produce in their life, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. Ananias was certainly among those whom the seed of the gospel had been planted. He was there. He was hearing the apostles. He was within the number of those who had perhaps witnessed, maybe witnessed the crucifixion, but certainly perhaps witness either one of the appearances or the ascension of Christ for those 40 days. He had had the seed planted in his heart to the point to where there was at least some sort of conviction even to want to do something for God. But why has Satan filled your heart we have to know and we have to look at this with open eyes church that the seed of the gospel which is planted initially in our lives this seed has to be watered this seed has to be 
cared for. And there's no doubt, there's no doubt that in time of watering, planting, fertilizing, caring for this seed, there's no doubt that in time, this, these roots, these spiritual roots which, which come from our spirit into the things of God begin to grow deep. And as time goes by and as we just stay steady on the course of, of again, just having that seed watered and having that seed fertilized and having that seed cared for, that in time that we as men and women of God, we grow strong. In time, the temptations of the seed snatcher that wants to come to us at the very beginning and the seed snatcher that wants to come to us maybe a few weeks or a few months in with some temptations. It's, it's liable, not, not absolutely, but liable to happen to each one of us when we're getting serious and opening up our heart with our, in our walk to Christ. It's true. It's just reality. We want to we wanna just act sometimes like it just happens and it's a done deal it is in terms of the spiritual significance of what christ has done in all the access that we've been given but think not for a moment that you can just be thrown out there into the hurricane of life as just a single little seed and and don't think that those winds and waves of life isn't just gonna try to whip you around we have to take this precious seed and we have to nourish it in the presence of the Lord and not take it lightly so that our root systems will grow and in time, whether that time is weeks or months or even years, in time you will be strong. You will grow strong. You will grow to the point of those temptations and that seed snatcher as he comes in with thoughts, as he comes in trying to put lies into your heart, as he comes in and lies to you as to what you're to do with what God's told you to do. Those temptations begin to come, become fewer and fewer. And even when they do come, they have no strength and no ability to tip any longer. Roots go down, strength comes, Spirit of the Lord is giving just vitality to our spirit. Even Jesus showed us just a little glimpse in Matthew 16, 23, when he turned to Peter, when Peter was coming off and you got to put get behind me Satan when Jesus looks to Peter and says, get behind me Satan, put that story in the context. Peter's like high on the hog. Peter's like, I'm all that. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get this revelation from man. You got it from God. That you, that, you, know, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked back at him. And this is just right before this, this passage in Matthew. Oh, blessed are you, Simon. And now the student all of a sudden one day decided that he was going to become the teacher. And he goes to Jesus and he, Jesus tells him that, you know, the Son of Man, this is what has to happen to the Son of Man and he's going to be betrayed and he's going to be crucified and kind of paraphrasing it. And Peter says, no, Lord, this isn't going to happen to you. And Jesus looks back at him and says, get behind me, Satan. 
We always have to be careful of the pride of man. We always have to be mindful of our place in a relationship. Jesus just got finished telling them something that had to happen, and Peter, in, in only Peter style, stepped out and, and opened himself to, as Jesus said, the offense of Satan. Satan, you are an offense to me. What is the offense? You're not mindful of the things of God, but you're only mindful of the things of men. Jesus quickly brought Peter back to Peter, put him into his place, brought his mind back to the things of God. It is a safe place to be when our thoughts and our mind and our life is surrounded with the things of God. People want to know, well, do I have the freedom to do this? Do I have the ability to do this? You have the freedom and the ability to do just about whatever you want to do as long as it's not illegal, immoral, hurting yourself or hurting somebody else. So that's a long laundry list of things that you can do that are absolutely of no benefit to yourself or your family. But to be a people who are mindful of the things of God, proactively keeping our hearts and our minds on the things of God. Through spending time with Christ, through all, all the ways we know how, but actually doing it. It says in Acts chapter 26, when, when we got to go back to Ananias and we have to understand so that we don't overly give Satan too much credit. Because listen, in Christ, you have overcome the power of the enemy. In Jesus, in the, in the power of the Spirit, we have everything we need to say no and to say, get behind me, Satan. In Acts 26, 17 and 18, actually, let's just read 18. It says to, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. These are the words of Christ talking about how we can come out of darkness. We can come from under the power of Satan. I think back to my testimony as I just shared it briefly when when Jesus got a hold of my life there was a short period of time that I was I was sifted I was between probably a, a 60 to a 90 day period of going into teen challenge where I was like things were different I received the word with great joy I was happy but I was holding back Hear me today. I was holding back. I wasn't just saying yes, Lord, to everything. I wasn't saying yes, Lord, I'm going to surrender everything that I am in all my future 
to whatever you have planned until one fateful day as I stood and I just made that surrender. It wasn't in a devotional time. It wasn't in a Bible study time. It wasn't in a church service. It was just maybe an hour before bedtime and teen challenge standing in a doorway when I looked at a couple, you know, heathen guys and (laughs) pretending and said to them, no, I'm surrendering all to Christ. And I tell you, I, it's almost not, not, I got saved in jail, but it's almost like my real journey started in that doorwell right there when I surrendered all. Because it's from that time that the hunger for the word of God began to grow. It's from that time of surrender, surrendering all to Jesus and letting go of the reins It's from that time that I started learning how to get up early and I started learning how to have time with Jesus in the morning and I started learning how to separate myself from those who would do nothing but want to pull me down, those who would do nothing but want to try to tempt me and try to make me feel bad about something that that they were going to do that I was like, no, I'm I'm not participating in that any longer. Lord, are you too good? Are you, you know, all the things that people want to tell us. No, it's not about being too good. It's just about being surrendered to Jesus. It's about being surrendered. Verse 11, and we're coming to a conclusion. Verse 11, Acts chapter 5. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. And make no mistake about it, when it says great fear... Yes, it's talking about a great fright, a terror, a dread, and yes, all in the context of a reference, a reverent one, not one of fear of a mean earthly father, but instead of one as a with reverence of a holy heavenly father. From this time of this sobering that took place in the church. It says in verse 12 that power flowed through the church, through the hands of the apostle. You gotta, you gotta see what happened after the increase, the progression of what happened when God just comes and he sifts a house. In verse 12, it says that in Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Just on Wednesday night, I love just, we can just come into just a normal, just service time or worship time. And just on Wednesday night, we were praying for a couple precious people. We had some spontaneous testimonies and one person we prayed for just to continue their healing in their body and their spouse came up and started praying for him. And while the spouse is sitting right here at the altar, while the spouse is praying for the other lady, all of a sudden he's like, what's happening to me? What's happening? And next thing you know, just right here at the altar, he got filled with the Holy Spirit and received his prayer language right there while he's praying for his wife. Just right, right here at the altar. Been waiting, been asking the Lord for that for a long time, but there was no, there was nothing. There was just, this is just, it becomes a part of the house of God. 
It becomes of just who we are as a people of God that we don't, we don't have to, to turn it up. We don't have to try to crank it up. No, we just have to be surrendered. We have to just let our roots just keep going down and going down. God's timing, it's all in His hands. Let us not fret about the timing of the Lord, but yes, let us work out our salvation with great terror and fear of a reverent holy God. It says in verse 13, it says, Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. It sounds kind of contra contra strategy to what oftentimes our strategy is in the church in modern days you know what can we do anything we can do to get more people in into the house and into the seats whereas here you know people were like dropping dead at the altar so it was like everything to keep people out to it wasn't that everybody was supposed to stay out and it's not that they even wanted people to stay out but what it did was it kept the wrong people away kept the wrong people away we as pastors and as church we've got to be okay with the wrong people not being here you're not going to hear that every Sunday <laughs> that's not something you're going to hear every, every Sunday right we have to be okay I have to be okay because they dared not join them because they're like Ooh, we knew Ananias and Sapphira. We kind of thought they were kind of getting things a little bit together. And now they're just... You see, these events were helping to establish the reverent culture within the house of God and the foundation that the church was going to be built upon. It was establishing culture. If you're not serious, if you're just here to blaspheme the Lord, if you're just here to make fun of the things of God, well, there's really, there's, there's no place for you, Ananias and Sapphira, to come and, and intentionally strategize to lie against God. Power flowed as a result of the, the continual pruning that was happening in the church. You want to know why oftentimes, and, and us included, why power doesn't flow? It's because we oftentimes are just not okay with just God's pruning that has to continually take place in the house of God. Some of the greatest times with the Lord, I'm sure it was, it'll be the same for you as it has been for me, but rarely happens in the great congregation of the thousands or the hundreds. It's so often in the sweet presence of the few. In the sweet presence of maybe the one with us and Jesus or our family or in the sweet presence of a small congregation of believers that are pressing into a time of prayer. The culture, the reverent culture was being established. It's holiday, you're here in church, so I've taken the liberty to think that you're okay with an extra five or ten minutes. I'll take a vote next time when y'all are walking in, but, but somewhere along the line, I, I lost track. 
But this is the final thought for today and to end on a, a high note because the word of God takes us to a high note. Good for you. Verse 14. And the believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. That is so important, especially to me as a, as a pastor and to just us as people of God. When it said that they dared not join, it was not for an instance saying that the church was not in growth mode. Right. It was keeping those whose motives and desires were blasphemy, right. were wrong. It was keeping them away from the house of God so that the Holy Spirit and so that the power of God could flow. But in spite of, listen to me, in spite of, Tongues on the day of Pentecost. Unusual signs and wonders happening. People dying on the church altar. In spite of all that, the Holy Spirit was increasingly adding to the church. We end with this thought. You know, we're often so concerned about bringing people into the house of God is the message going to be too long that day yes <laughs> if you're talking about here it's always too long never never long enough for me but always too long for you so I apologize but not all of you are people going to pray too loud yes are some people going to be obnoxious? Yes. Is the, is the service overall going to be way too long? Is he going to go over that, that, non, that barrier that you're not allowed to go over? Like, you know, is he going to be longer than two hours? I'm sorry, one hour? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yes, both. But here's the thing. We have to quit concerning ourselves and focusing ourselves on the things of men. And instead, we have to begin to focus our hearts and focus our lives and focus our spirits on the things of God. When we bring people into the house of the Lord, like it says, they increasingly were added to the Lord. The right people being brought at the right time to be able to respond to the Lord. When we bring the people unto the Lord, and let's keep in mind, we're not bringing them to church, we're bringing them to Jesus. So when we bring people with the idea of bringing them to Jesus, whether it's in the house of God, whether it's in your home at a group, whether it's at some other avenue or venue to, to do that, when we're bringing people, we're bringing them to Jesus. People's response to Jesus is in their hands. We bring them and we unconcern ourselves about all the other fleshly responses to bringing somebody to Christ. This church 
the early church, our church, our heritage flourished in a season of supernatural moving, in a season of hours and hours of preaching. The longest-winded preacher today in our modern time isn't, isn't scratching the surface of what and how the people pursued Christ in these days. I mean, you're pulling your hair out every week, some of us, when I'm at 45 minutes and 50 minutes, but Paul, Paul would preach until they fall out the window and die. You think, you think you're bored? Well, you're still alive. When I preach you to death, we're making progress. But don't worry, we'll raise you back to life in Jesus' name. The church was growing, people. The church was growing because it was a reverent church. The church was growing because, because the right people were being added by Jesus to grow. There are some people that are the wrong people that we just have to release. Don't be ugly. Don't tell them to leave. I've only had to tell in 20, 20 however many years of ministry, there's only one person that I've ever personally had to say in however many years. It's just not what we do. It's not what we do. Amen. We don't have to tell people, but what we have to do is we have to, create, we have to create a community. We have to create a church. We have to create an atmosphere that when people come, when their hearts are ready and their hearts are responsive, they're going to grab a hold of Jesus. They're not going to grab a hold of me or they're not going to try to grab a hold of you because we're not going to build it in that personality way. We're going to push people to Jesus, and we're going to release them to Jesus, and then we're going to let Jesus have his way in the lives of those around us. Now, listen, I'm, I want to end with this last word of encouragement. I know many of us are we're struggling. We're struggling for our family members. We're struggling for our spouses, our children, and I just want to encourage you. You also can't give up. You keep praying. You be the godly mommy. You be the godly father, the godly brother, the godly, the godly uncle, the godly aunt. You be that godly example in their lives. You can't save them. You can't save them. You can't make that decision for them. But you can be that godly man or woman of God and let the Lord use you in their life and be patient. My mom said yesterday, she said, the next time you give your testimony, she said, I'm giving mine with you. She made that decision. She said, she said I'm giving. She says next time. I said, okay, that's a, that's a deal. The next time we do it, you're, um, you're giving because she wants to give the mama's, the mama's view of the mama's side of that and just the travailing, even though I was young, looking back, I felt like I wasn't young. But now, at the time, I didn't feel like I was young because I'd been miserable for long enough. But looking back, I realized that I was young at the time of salvation. That was a lot of grace in my life. Um, but it was long enough to, to put my mom and my family through a lot of agony and through a lot of just trial. And... Um, and so we're going to do that next time. But I just want to encourage you, don't, 
don't, don't quit. Don't quit praying. Don't quit sharing. Don't quit being that loving, godly example in the life of your family. And, and we're, by the grace of God, we're going to see your family members come in. We're going to see. We're going to see your husband come in. We're going to see your children. We're going to see those rebellious kids. We're going to see their hearts melt. We're going to see that you're going to see these things in Jesus name because it's not it's for you. It's for your children. It's for your family. It's for those who are far off. I want to encourage you today. The way to the way to salvation to win salvation in their life by petitioning the Lord is by you being that most godly man and woman that you can be. And it's just holding holding the path. Holding it holding that line, walking that narrow road in Jesus. And to your feet, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to your name. You know what, what we're going to do right now? I just feel just impressed of the Lord to just really just open up these altars for specific prayer for our families. And, um, may or may not just come and pray for for people it's really just for you i want if you're praying for somebody if you're believing for somebody and forget about if if people are here or who's watching or whatever just just lay all that lay all that aside but if you're just if you're just struggling with just continuing to believe for people in your life which many of us are just come and find you can be on the side you can be here in the front just come and find a place right now we're just going to pr- continue to just worship right now but come and find a place just come and you can sit you can stand you can kneel you can do whatever you like but just come up find a place where we're just going to take you know 10 minutes or 15 minutes or however long and we're just going to make this a prayer time a prayer time for our husbands a prayer time for our wives a prayer time for our children a prayer time for our mothers and our fathers just find a place any place in this in this room if you need to if you need to go on this this fourth of july weekend thank you so much for coming into church on this holiday but um God bless you. You're you're dismissed. Thank you for being here. We also still have lunch next door. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, the lunch. That was one I forgot. Oh, I'm not going to bring his. If I bring somebody today, is the lunch going to be horrible? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Some days. Some days. Never. But it does. Never. Oh, I'm sorry. Never. 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 Never bad lunch. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just begin to pray. Just begin to worship. Christina's just gonna lead us. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We lift up, we lift up these people that are so precious to us, Jesus. We lift up these people that are so precious to us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord. We're just here today at these altars, just in this house, Lord, just asking you for mercy, Lord, asking you for grace, Lord, in their life, asking you for freedom, Lord, in their life, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. Just petition Jesus. As as you petition, you gotta learn how to gotta learn how to petition the Lord. We petition him with with that Lord's Prayer. We worship him, we acknowledge his greatness. We acknowledge that he's holy. We acknowledge that he's sovereign. So we acknowledge all the, the absolute attributes of our, of our triune Godhead. We acknowledge he's loving and forgiving. And, and then we can transition into our, our prayers and our intercessions for those people in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. We're here today, Lord, standing 
in the gap, Lord, sitting in the gap, Lord. We're here today petitioning you, Lord, on behalf of all these different people in our lives, Jesus. God, we give you glory today, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. I just pray that the peace that passes all understanding, Lord, would just come upon your people, Lord, that as we travail on one hand, Lord, that there's a peace of God on the other, Lord, that we strive, Lord, we strive to enter into the rest of God. I want you to enter into a place of rest today in this, in this, this, this intercession, in this prayer that you're making for these precious people, these precious loved ones in your life. We need you to enter into the Word of God says that we can strive to enter into a place of rest. You need to these, these intercessors, intercessions can be deep. They can be even a little burdensome and a little heavy. But you can still be a person that's at peace. You can be a person that's at rest in Christ, knowing that Jesus is in control. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, God. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, just come, oh Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We, we believe in you for your plan, for the plan for our families, for those who are far off, Lord, that you would draw them near. For us, for our household, for our children, that you would draw them near, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, just do it, God, like nobody else can do it Lord you do it Lord in the mighty name of Jesus you do it you do it Jesus use us Lord use us God as vessels of mercy vessels of kindness vessels of love oh God we worship you Jesus we worship you Lord hallelujah hallelujah well, y'all just stay and pray as long as you like Christina and team will just continue to worship as long as there are people praying today in Jesus name amen
with you.